From the State Capitol, WFSU Public Media brings you Capitol Report. Lawmakers consider a bill that could lead to property taxes being eliminated in Florida. I believe this is going to actually lower the overall taxes on most Floridians. We do it properly. Also this week, opponents worry proposed changes to Florida's defamation laws could have some unintended consequences. Opening up a floodgate of frivolous lawsuits against writers, broadcasters, comedians, mom-and-pop Facebookers. We'll also probe the ongoing spat over whether or not law enforcers are really crime victims in the course of their jobs and why Florida doesn't regularly catch on fire like California does. It's the end of week four of the Florida lawmaking session. I'm Tom Flanagan, online and on air. This is Capitol Report and the end of week wrap up of top stories from Tallahassee. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. Florida State University, a preeminent institution. FSU specialty license plates support scholarships for deserving students who enrich and contribute to our state and nation. More on FSU specialty plates is at fsu.edu slash mytag. HR Florida State Council, affiliate of the Society of Human Resource Management advocating for the workplace on behalf of 16,000 human resource professionals and 6,300 Florida employers. HR Florida State Council. More at hrflorida.org. And from a grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley, supporting public radio and taking time to care, on the web at searcylaw.com. A proposal that would start the ball rolling toward eliminating property taxes in Florida was heard this week in a House committee. As Gina Jordan reports, it seeks a study to determine how much money would disappear and how local governments might recoup that revenue elsewhere. This bill is about one thing. It's about starting down the road toward phasing out and eliminating Florida's property tax. Ocala Republican Representative Ryan Chamberlain says his bill would direct the research arm of the legislature to conduct a study about what it would take to replace property taxes. These taxes fund local government services like schools and roads. Florida already has no state income tax. If property taxes go away, that money must be made up somehow. Boynton Beach Democratic Representative Joe Casello says that likely means a significant increase in sales taxes. So by eliminating the property tax, which all municipalities count on, we could possibly have, would you say, one of the highest sales tax in the nation to compensate for that loss? You recognize? I believe this is going to actually lower the overall taxes on most Floridians if we do it properly. But the truth is, there will be another tax to replace this uh, property tax and to eliminate us renting our property forever. West Palm Beach Republican Representative Rick Roth called the measure an affordable housing bill. If we can change the way we uh, collect taxes in the state of Florida and not tax property, I think we'll have more people being able to own property. And also, we'll also lower the cost of rental property because uh, the uh, rental property owners will not have to pay property taxes. Tampa Democratic Representative Susan Valdez called it an interesting idea, but she's concerned about what a potential jump in the sales tax rate would do to low-wage workers. Let's say the taxation rate, I'm just going to throw a number out there, just to throw a number, let's say it's 30%, right? 
for a person that works minimum wage, that's 30 cents to every dollar. That's a lot. It's been a while, but the notion of eliminating property taxes has come up in the legislature before and has never gotten far. In fact, no state has banned property taxes. Orlando Democratic Representative Anna Escamani says there are good reasons for that. It is unsustainable in times of economic recession when people do not buy things, and that has happened before, 2008 as an example. Um, And so that is a real concern. There's also challenges when it comes to just incentivizing local governments to maintain property values. If you get rid of property taxes, what is the incentive local governments to even maintain property experiences? So you're eliminating a potential incentive there. And she says a higher sales tax will lead to consumers spending less money, thereby leading to less revenue for municipalities. That didn't persuade DeLand Republican Representative Webster Barnaby. If you do not pay property taxes, that house is not yours. You're renting it from the state. Barnaby says the issue is about fairness because anyone who doesn't pay their property tax stands to lose their home, even if it's fully paid for. This is not about how we take care of cities and municipalities. This is about fundamental fairness to Floridian taxpayers. Do you own your house? That's the question. And I want to know that every Floridian who has finished paying their mortgage owns their house. The bill passed its first stop at the House Ways and Means Committee, 15 to 6, and the vote was not along party lines. The bill has no Senate companion. It would require the results of the study to be submitted to the legislature by February 1st of next year. That would give lawmakers the opportunity to act on it during the next annual session. I'm Gina Jordan. A plan to make it easier for journalists and others to be sued is back for a second year. Pensacola Republican Representative Alex Andrade's bill also lays the groundwork for people to sue those who use artificial intelligence to cast people in a false light. Tristan Wood talked with Andrade about why he's looking to make these changes and how he responds to critics who say his bill could chill free speech. The landmark New York Times versus Sullivan Supreme Court ruling laid out the standards for how public figures could sue the press. Justices ruled that for the press to be found liable for defamation, the complainant had to demonstrate the journalist had actual malice or intentionally meant to cause the harm. Situations where untrue statements from anonymous sources are published in the press with disastrous consequences, like in the pre-Iraq war coverage by the New York Times, have added to that criticism. Andrade's bill will open up journalists and news outlets to be sued if they publish false information from a single anonymous source. The bill essentially says that if you're a public figure um, and you're subject to this additional higher level of liability than anybody else um, that you have to prove for defamation case, actual malice, which is that additional higher level of liability, um, can be presumed in the circumstance where someone has published a false statement of fact that relied solely on the statement or information of a single anonymous source, meaning if an article comes out about a public figure, it's proven to be false, and that statement of fact is based solely on a single anonymous source, that journalist has committed such egregious malpractice that the standard of liability in this context, actual malice, has been met. First Amendment advocates have been critical of Andrade's bill, citing concerns that it will chill free speech in Florida. 
Bobby Block from the Florida First Amendment Foundation believes that it will lead to a host of frivolous lawsuits from across the country from people that criticize the powerful. Again, I disagree with Representative Andrade. I think Florida would become the liable tourism destination of the United States, opening up a floodgate of frivolous lawsuits against writers, broadcasters, comedians, mom-and-pop Facebookers who may or may not have aired in reporting or criticizing the actions of elected officials and wealthy public figures. I think their concerns are bonk. Here's what Andrade thinks of that criticism. Um, the bill doesn't create an avenue for frivolous lawsuits to be brought. Um, the bill doesn't create circumstances where someone um, who you know, was offended by a statement of opinion can somehow win a defamation lawsuit. And it doesn't incentivize any new lawsuits um, related to things that aren't the proper subject of defamation. And it absolutely doesn't create these avenues for frivolous lawsuits or allow for people to use frivolous lawsuits to shut people up when they're engaging in public discourse. I care very much about the First Amendment, and I would never support a bill that would do that. According to the staff analysis of the bill, a person can still not sue if the statement from the anonymous source is an opinion. It has to be about a statement of fact. Andrade's bill doesn't just deal with defamation. It also allows people to sue when artificial intelligence is used to create deepfake content meant to display them in a false light. That issue has garnered national attention as public figures like Taylor Swift have had offensive artificial intelligence content generated of them and disseminated on social media. Andrade's bill gives people options to seek damages from malicious AI users. So the, the bill essentially just recognizes the fact that there can be harm to someone um, personally um, caused by some of these kind of deep fakes that can be created and then published. Um, the bill specifically, though, in recognition of, you know, we might get things wrong, makes clear that the only person liable um, for causing that harm is the person who creates or edits that, um, that media using artificial intelligence. Support for his bill has been divided along party lines, and it is still working its way through committee. I'm Tristan Wood. A controversial measure that would loosen work restrictions for 16- and 17-year-olds has been approved by the Florida House. The bill would eliminate a decades-old restriction on 16- and 17-year-olds working more than eight hours when school is scheduled the next day. It also would do away with a restriction on 16- and 17-year-olds working more than 30 hours during a week when school's in session. Bill sponsor Linda Cheney says her legislation would give teens a choice to work up to 40 hours a week and that 24 other states have adopted similar measures. Nearly one million searches have been performed for how can I get a job as a teen? They want to work. This bill gets government out of their way to choose a path that's best for them. But Democrats, including Representative Rita Harris, feel the bill would hinder students' education. We, as a legislative body, have talked so much about protecting children, and yet here we are opening up the possibility that children will be exploited as cheap labor. They deserve so much more. A Senate version of the legislation would not go as far as the House bill. For example, it would not eliminate the prohibition on working more than 30 hours in a week when school's in session. Coming up on Capitol Report, Florida military and law enforcement personnel are headed for the Texas border with Mexico following a direct order from Governor DeSantis. We need to stop this invasion at our southern border once and for all. 
After Florida's Senate president announced Medicaid expansion is off the table, a group of advocates is pushing the change through a citizen's initiative. We have it within our ability to make sure that everyone in this state has the freedom to access life-saving care without being forced to choose between the treatment they need and the ability to keep a roof over their head or care for their families. The debate continues at the Florida Capitol about whether or not law enforcement officers can claim victim protections under Marcy's law. These are public servants who this is their job. And Florida has lots of forests, so why doesn't the state have lots of forest wildfires like, say, California? Culture of fire use of controlled burns prescribed fire it never went away as much as it did in other places of the country. Support for Capital Report is provided by a grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley, supporting public radio and taking time to care, on the web at searcylaw.com. Members of the Florida National and State Guard, along with the Florida Highway Patrol, are heading to the U.S.-Mexico border under the directive of Governor Ron DeSantis. It's not the first time Florida officials have gone to Texas to help, but as Adrian Andrews reports, this does mark the first out-of-state deployment for the newly formed State Guard in an ongoing fight between Republican-led border states and the Democratic presidential administration over how to address the number of undocumented immigrants trying to enter the United States. Last year, Governor Ron DeSantis made headlines when it was learned that flights from Texas carrying undocumented immigrants to places like California and Martha's Vineyard were paid for by Florida. DeSantis and fellow Republicans have made immigration, specifically the southern border, a rallying point deriding what they see as weak federal immigration enforcement and policies that allow drugs and other criminal activity to seep into the U.S. We need to stop this invasion at our southern border once and for all. Governor Ron DeSantis recently announced that he's deploying a battalion of roughly 1,000 National Guardsmen to Texas. The governor says troops will assist Texas state officials in their efforts to provide additional security to the area. You know, if we don't have a border, then we are not a sovereign country. Uh, you, either, you either have a border or you don't. You're either a sovereign country or you're not. This is the first time Florida's newly revived State Guard volunteer force will travel out of state. The Florida State Guard, or FSG, is made up entirely of civilians and has only been used in storm-related incidents. In December, the group was activated twice in response to tornadoes in areas of the Florida Panhandle, but State Guard Director Mark Thiem says his team are up to the task. We in the Florida State Guard are postured to deliver rapid response to any and all threats to public safety wherever and whenever the need arises. DeSantis says Florida state agencies have for years been working in Texas to ensure drugs, guns, or illegal immigrants are being kept out of the U.S. We've had people on the ground there uh, since 2021. We've had National Guard. We've had Highway Patrol, Fish and Wildlife, Florida Department of Law Enforcement, you, you name it. Uh, they have been there, and they've been making a big, big difference. Meanwhile, Texas is in its own legal battle with the federal government over its border security measures. And DeSantis has already tasked soldiers with putting up new razor wire barriers and installing enough fencing as needed. I'm Adrian Andrews. 
Florida's Republican-led legislature has rejected expanding Medicaid for a decade. Now a group of Floridians wants to go around them and put the question directly to voters. Regan McCarthy reports they're launching a citizen's initiative to put the issue on the ballot in 2026. Florida is one of 10 states that has not expanded Medicaid through the Affordable Care Act. The program provides health insurance for low-income people through a combination of state and federal funding. If Florida expands, Jake Flaherty, campaign director for Florida Decides Healthcare, the group behind the proposal, says it would extend insurance coverage to 1.4 million people. We have it within our ability to make sure that everyone in this state has the freedom to access life-saving care without being forced to choose between the treatment they need and the ability to keep a roof over their head or care for their families. The federal government has long offered to pay for portions of the expansion program. Allison Holmes says she's one of the people who would benefit. She's the primary caretaker for her adult son, JJ, who has a disability. She says if she gets sick and can't get care, her son suffers. And then there's the worry that sometimes keeps her up at night. My biggest fear is dying from something that would be survivable if I was just able to get typical annual checkups someone of my age gets. The push follows a declaration from Florida Senate President Kathleen Pasadomo during her opening remarks at the start of the legislative session. Medicaid expansion is not going to happen in Florida. Pasadomo is making health care access her top priority this legislative session. Her plan includes efforts to address the state's growing doctor shortage by building the health care workforce and attracting more doctors to work in the state. After Pasadomo unveiled her plan, Democrats pushed back, saying it should also include plans to expand Medicaid eligibility. But that's long been a no-go in the Florida legislature. And Pasadomo says the problem in Florida isn't that people don't have insurance to go to the doctor. It's that they can't go to the doctor at all. In fact, if you cannot actually schedule an appointment with a health care provider, Medicaid expansion is nothing more than a false government promise. Florida has been close to expanding Medicaid before. During the 2015 legislative session, Florida's GOP split on the issue, with then-Governor Rick Scott coming out in support of a Medicaid expansion and the Florida Senate putting forth a proposal but the more conservative House killed the plan. In order to get a Medicaid expansion initiative on the ballot in 2026, supporters need to collect nearly a million petition signatures. I'm Regan McCarthy. Should law enforcement officers be able to claim victim protection if they're threatened with violence while on the job? That's the question before state lawmakers in a new legislative proposal. It's a response to a recent Florida Supreme Court ruling over the state's Marcy's Law. Richard Brown has more. Marcy's Law is a bill of rights and protections for crime victims. It was approved by Florida voters through a constitutional amendment in 2018. Among its protections, anonymity for crime victims. In 2020, two Tallahassee police officers were involved in a shooting and they tried to claim victims' protections. The city wanted to release their names, but the law enforcement unions argued those officers were crime victims. The issue divided law enforcement organizations and eventually made its way to the Florida Supreme Court where attorney Luke Newman argued that law enforcement officers are people too. 
and that his clients were each threatened with death, resulting in the deadly shootings of both suspects. Both men were attacked, essentially unprovoked, with homicidal violence. Both of my clients responded with force. They both shot and they both killed their attackers. Each then affirmatively opted into the protections of Marcy's law. The Florida Supreme Court ultimately decided that an officer who was doing their job at the time is not a crime victim. But State Representative Charles Brennan wants to change that. He's got a proposal that would extend Marcy's law protections to law enforcement officers, specifically the protection of anonymity. Brennan is a former U.S. Marshal. But First Amendment Foundation of Florida Director Bobby Block argues Brennan's proposal is dangerous. What we oppose in this legislation is the designation of law enforcement and correctional officers who are involved in incidents where somebody is hurt or died, that they get to claim that they are victims too. We do not agree. These are public servants who this is their job. And if they're involved in shootings in the line of their work, I do not believe they have the right to be considered victims. Barbara Peterson, executive director of the Florida Center for Government Accountability, also believes law enforcement officers should not receive victim confidentiality, but for a different reason. Law enforcement officers are trained to handle crimes and to handle suspects and to handle themselves in dangerous situations. They wear protective gear. They've got tasers. They've got batons. They've got guns. They're trained. And to say that any law enforcement officer who's engaged in any level of confrontation while on duty should be protected is going to undermine the public's confidence. Brennan, the bill sponsor, says he's still working on the proposal. It has yet to have a committee hearing, nor is there a Senate companion. The group, Marcy's Law for Florida, issued a statement in response to WFSU's inquiry. The group spearheaded the victim protections effort, and it says while it strongly supports the right of victims to keep their names confidential, quote, it is imperative the legislation balance and address the public's rights to know when their government has used physical force in the execution of their duties. WFSU also reached out to the Florida Sheriff's Association and the Police Benevolent Association. A Sheriff's Association spokesperson says they haven't taken a position on the measure. The Florida Police Benevolent Association never responded to a request for comment. Still, the issue looms. In Tallahassee, the officers involved in the 2020 shootings that triggered the original lawsuit have still not been named. The organization said in a November 2023 statement on Facebook, quote, We look forward to mobilizing our efforts to form a robust lobbying campaign to pass legislation that will strengthen Marcy's law into what we believe the citizens of Florida believed they voted for in order to protect the rights of all crime victims. I'm Richard Brown. The annual open enrollment period for Florida's prepaid college tuition program has begun. Prices are lower than they were one year ago, with the cheapest plan for a newborn now costing $34 a month for a one-year university plan. A full four-year university tuition plan for a newborn starts at $135 a month. Prices have dropped since tuition for state universities has not gone up in over a decade. 
Due to the lower costs, some families that already have plans will see refunds. Amid ongoing economic concerns, Florida prepaid spokesperson Shannon Smith says it's more important than ever to have some certainty within your family budget. All of our plan prices, we're seeing this reduction. It's on average about 25% reduced, which is, you know, a wonderful thing, especially when everything else seems to be going up by 25%. There are several prepaid tuition options available, including two- and four-year plans to cover state colleges and universities, as well as hybrid plans for two years at a state college and two more at a university. Any child in Florida from newborn through 11th grade may take part in the program, and open enrollment runs through the end of April. You're listening to Capital Report from WFSU Public Media. I'm Tom Flanagan. Finally this week, Florida has a lot of forest land. The State Forestry Service pegs the total at 14.5 million acres, roughly half the state's total area. Of course, before the arrival of European explorers five centuries ago, essentially all of Florida was forest. Combined with the fact Florida was and is the lightning capital of the country, and that's made wildfires a serious threat to residents. And Chris Kinslow, the chair of the North Florida Prescribed Fire Council, says those early residents knew how to reduce that threat. Native Americans use fire extensively in the South and nationwide. There's evidence of extensive fire use in the western states by Native Americans. Kinslow says that lesson wasn't lost on European settlers, some of them anyway. In Florida and the South in general, that culture of fire use, of controlled burns, prescribed fire, never went away as much as it did in other places of the country. Kinslow says that, combined with a generally drier climate in the West and rapid growth of housing into places with lots of unburned brush, has meant an explosion of destructive wildfires there in recent years. Florida had its share of wildfires as well until the formation of its three regional prescribed fire councils starting in the 1960s. We have, of course, a very diverse state demographically and ecologically. So we have those different councils within the state because the fire needs are different. Made up of local, state, and even national stakeholders, Kinslow says those councils oversee carefully planned and supervised burns. These reduce the ground vegetation that fuels wildfires. Besides keeping prescribed burns under control, Kinslow says the biggest job has been to convince everyday folks that these controlled burns are actually good things. It's a challenge to kind of break that mold of all fires are heavily destructive. Our intention with every prescribed fire is not for it to look like these massive walls of fire coming through the forest like you see in a wildfire. Also, Kinslow says the highly trained fire control crews are very aware of winds to avoid sending thick smoke into populated areas and won't initiate a burn if the humidity falls below a certain level. To help educate the public, the councils host regular demonstrations of prescribed burns that are open to the public. And there's a program for residents who live adjacent to heavily wooded areas to help keep their homes safe if a wildfire does happen nearby. Essentially harden your home against wildfire, like how we can have storm windows or wind mitigation measures in Florida. For hurricanes, you can do the same thing for your homes and developments using these firewise standards. Check out your regional prescribed fire council's website to learn more about it. 
Our regular Capitol Report correspondents are Adrian Andrews, Lynn Hatter, Regan McCarthy, Margie Menzel, and Tristan Wood. Thanks also to Richard Brown. Technical support for Capitol Report comes from Taylor Cox, and I'm Tom Flanagan. Join us again next week online and on air for more reports from the state capitol. Funding for Capital Report is provided by the following. A grant from the law firm of Searcy, Denny, Scarola, Barnhart, and Shipley. Supporting public radio and taking time to care. On the web at searcylaw.com. The Florida AFL-CIO, representing over 1 million union members, retirees, and their families, committed to building a better future for all Floridians by promoting healthy communities, economic justice, and dignity in the workplace. Online at flaflcio.org. And from Florida State University, a preeminent institution. FSU specialty license plates support scholarships for deserving students who enrich and contribute to our state and nation. More on FSU specialty plates is at fsu.edu slash mytag. Capital Report is a production of WFSU Public Media in Tallahassee.